After reciting the Tashahud, Ta'awud, and Surah Al-Fatiha, Hazrat Khalifa Tulmasih the Faith, may Allah be his helper, stated, Nowadays, we are passing through the month of Ramadan. This is such a month in which a spiritual atmosphere is fostered. And this is the atmosphere which should be created amongst the community of believers. Alongside the fasting during this month, greater attention is also given to worship as it ought to be. Greater attention is given to reciting and listening to the Holy Qur'an. And if one desires to attain the true blessings of fasting, then alongside the worship, greater care should be given towards reading and listening to the Holy Qur'an. Ramadan has a special connection with the Holy Qur'an. Or rather, the Holy Qur'an has a special connection with Ramadan. Allah Almighty states in the Holy Qur'an, Shahru Ramadan alladhi unzila fihi al-Qur'an hudal linnasi wa bayyinatin min al-huda wal-furqan The month of Ramadan is that in which the Qur'an was sent down as a guidance for mankind with clear proofs of guidance and discrimination. That Qur'an which was sent for the guidance of all of mankind possesses clear proofs which bring about guidance and divine signs. According to some authentic narrations, the first revelation descended upon the Holy Prophet peace and blessings of Allah be upon him on the 14th of Ramadan. Likewise, every year the angel Gabriel, peace be upon him, would complete an entire recitation of the Qur'an to the Holy Prophet peace and blessings of Allah be upon him in the month of Ramadan. And in the final year, he completed it twice. So as it were, the Holy Qur'an holds a special importance in relation to Ramadan. Therefore, we must also give special attention during this month to reading and listening to the Holy Qur'an and to reading its commentary. Programs in this regard are being aired on MTA 
as well as lectures, so one ought to pay attention to these. Only when we recite the Holy Qur'an, along with its translation, then read and listen to its commentary, can we truly understand the commandments mentioned therein. Incorporate them in our lives. Shape our lives in accordance with the Qur'anic teachings and become the recipients of Allah's grace. Hence, if we wish to attain the true blessings of Ramadan, we must pay special attention towards the recitation of the Holy Qur'an. One should also listen to the addresses that are being delivered in the mosques. In this era, the promised Messiah, peace be upon him, has expounded in a very clear manner upon the importance of the Holy Qur'an, its excellences and its clear proofs. For some time I have been delivering sermons in this regard from the writings of the promised Messiah, peace be upon him. Therefore, one must listen to them regularly read them and ponder over them in order to develop the true understanding thereof. Today I shall present some excerpts from the writings of the Promised Messiah, peace be upon him. Whilst explaining that the Holy Qur'an is an eternal and everlasting law, the Promised Messiah, peace be upon him, states, God Almighty's wisdom and commandments are of two types. Some are eternal and everlasting, whilst others are revealed due to a temporary requirement, albeit they still possess a permanence in their own right. Even if they are there due to a temporary need, they are still eternal. However, they are still temporary. For example, the commandments are different with regards to prayer and fasting, depending on if one is on a journey or remaining in a place, i.e. when travelling one is permitted to combine the prayers and shorten them, whereas in normal circumstances they should be performed in full. Likewise, it is obligatory to fast in normal circumstances when not on a journey for all healthy individuals. For example, another commandment is for women to wear their head covering when going outside. This is a commandment for women in specific circumstances and there is no such need to wear the head covering when they are at home. The commandment about the veil is for when they are outside the house. Furthermore, there is also the matter of whom one should be veiled from. The Promised Messiah, peace be upon him, then states while comparing the commandments of the Torah and the Gospels. These are temporary and were in accordance with requirements of the time, whereas the law and book which the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, brought 
that book is everlasting and that law is eternal. For this reason, whatever has been mentioned therein is perfect and complete. The Holy Qur'an is the eternal law. If the Qur'an wasn't revealed, even then the Torah and the Gospels would be abrogated, for they were not eternal and everlasting. Hence, the importance of the Holy Qur'an is such that its guidance is in line with all circumstances. It is a perfect teaching and it is for all times. Critics raise many allegations, take the example of the veil, that it is not required in this era. And at times our own young women are affected by this. However, these people are themselves accepting this fact. Many articles have been written in this regard. Women's organizations are now starting to raise their voice in this regard. And it is even being mentioned in the news occasionally that the free mixing of men and women is at times the cause of great detriment. Now people have started to rethink about having segregation. Then, whilst mentioning the purpose of his advent, and in regards to the Holy Qur'an being an eternal law, the promised Messiah, peace be upon him, states, Listen carefully as to the ultimate purpose or objective of my advent, which is to revive and reaffirm Islam. This should not be construed to mean that I bring a new law or sharia or new commandments or a new book will be revealed. Not at all. If one thinks so, then I consider them to be highly misled and devoid of faith. Let it be clear that prophethood and the sharia have reached their total and absolute perfection. In the person of the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, there can be no new divine law. The Holy Qur'an is the last and perfect book. It does not admit of any change, not even of a dot or a mark. Nevertheless, it is also true that the blessings and bounties of the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, and the rewards of the Holy Qur'an's teaching and guidance are unending. They are to be seen in every age, ever fresh, in their pristine purity. It is for the demonstration of these rewards and blessings that God Almighty has appointed me. That is to say that not everyone can understand the Holy Qur'an. Some matters require explanations, and to provide this, Allah the Almighty sent the promised Messiah, peace be upon him, in these latter days, as he has stated. The promised Messiah, peace be upon him, then states, The Holy Qur'an is a miracle, the like of which never was and never will be. Nor has anything similar come before it, nor will anything like it be found. The door to its blessing is always open, and it is bright and manifests in every age, as it was in the time of the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him. It should also be borne in mind that the speech of everyone corresponds to his high resolve. The higher the resolve and determination and the purpose of the speaker, the same will be the case with his speech. Divine revelation also follows the same rule. Just as Allah the Almighty converses with a regular person in proportion to their knowledge, in the same way the revelation of God, i.e. the Holy Qur'an, has its own standard. 
the higher the resolve of the person to whom divine revelation is vouchsafed, the higher will be the character of the revelation. Here it should also be remembered that there are different levels of revelation. The messages of Allah the Almighty have different levels. The Promised Messiah then states, As a circle of the resolve, capacity and determination of the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him was very wide. The revelation that came to him had the same high rank. No one else will ever attain the same degree of resolve and courage. The Promised Messiah, peace be upon him, further states, The breadth of the Qur'an's teachings is very expansive. It will remain an unchanged law until the Day of Judgment, and it is for every nation and every time. Thus Allah the Almighty states, وَإِن مِّن شَيْءٍ إِلَّا عِنْدَنَا خَزَائِنُهُ وَمَا نُنَزِّلُهُ إِلَّا بِقَدْرٍ مَعْلُومٍ And there is not a thing but with us are the treasures thereof, and we send it not down except in a known measure, meaning that we send down from our treasures in a known measure. The Promised Messiah, peace be upon him, states, The need for the New Testament was only so much that the summary of the New Testament can be given in one page. But the need of the Holy Qur'an was for the reformation of all time, to reform every age. The purpose of the Qur'an was to transform beasts into humans, then to transform human civility into moral humans, so that one reached higher stages whilst adhering to the prohibitions and commandments outlined by the Sharia. Then eventually, to make them into godly humans. Though these words are concise, they possess thousands of fields of knowledge, because ill practices were to be found amongst the Jews, naturalists, fire worshippers and other nations. This is why the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, in accordance with the knowledge of God, addressed everyone and said, قُلْ يَا أَيُّهَا النَّاسُ إِنِّي رَسُولُ اللَّهِ إِلَيْكُمْ جَمِيعًا Say, O mankind, truly I am a messenger to you all from Allah. That is why it was necessary that the Holy Qur'an would be comprised of all those teachings that were revealed previously at various times and would possess all the truths within it that were conveyed to the inhabitants of the land at different times through different prophets. Meaning it would also contain the previous teachings which were revealed according to the time of the need. This is all within the Holy Quran. The Promised Messiah further states, The Holy Quran was for the entire mankind, not any specific nation, country or time. And with regards to the Gospels, only one specific nation was kept in consideration. This is why Jesus, peace be upon him, said again and again that I have come in search of the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Thus the announcement of the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, in accordance with the command of God that I am a messenger of Allah to the entire world. This also proves that the Holy Quran is the means for the guidance of the whole world. It contains a guidance which was revealed to the earlier people in accordance with their conditions. And there are also commands for those who came after. This is a timeless law. Besides this, there is no other law which was revealed to the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him. Then, whilst explaining that the Holy Qur'an contains all the teachings and that it is a treasure in itself, the Promised Messiah, peace be upon him, states, 
The Holy Quran is a wise and everlasting law and is a treasure of all the teachings. And in this manner, the first miracle of the Holy Quran is the superb stature of its teachings. Then the second miracle of the Holy Quran is its grand prophecies. For example, there are such grand and marvelous prophecies in Surah Al-Fatiha, Surah Tahrim, and Surah An-Nur. The Meccan era of the Holy Prophet's life is filled with prophecies. If a learned person ponders over it while maintaining a fear of God, that they will come to know just how much knowledge of the unseen was given to the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him. Is this an insignificant matter that at a time when the whole nation was against the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, and there was no sympathizer or friend to proclaim that Sayyuhzamul Jamu wa Yuwalluna Dubur? The hosts shall soon be routed and will turn their backs in flight, meaning that their group will be defeated and that they will turn their backs and flee. This is the meaning of the verse. The promised Messiah, peace be upon him, states, Is this an insignificant matter? Had he possessed the necessary provisions and such a declaration could have been made that they will destroy the enemy. If the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, had the provisions then maybe it could be said that they, i.e. the Makkans, would be destroyed. But in his condition, the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, was prophesying his own victory and the humiliation and utter defeat of his enemies. And in the end, this is exactly what came to pass. This prophecy, which is mentioned in the Holy Quran, was given to the Holy Prophet by God Almighty whilst he was in Mecca. And that too in the early years, when their condition was that they were very weak while in Mecca. And then look at how the prophecy was fulfilled. We see that this prophecy is often attributed in its fulfillment to the battle of the confederates and in relation to other instances as well when a powerful army of the disbelievers turned their backs and fled. Then the promised Messiah, peace be upon him, states, Then how grand and unparalleled are the prophecies related to the community which is going to be established 1300 years later and also the regarding the conditions and signs of that time, meaning how extraordinary are the prophecies about the time of the promise of Messiah, peace be upon him. I have mentioned some before as well in an earlier Friday sermon, and they are still being fulfilled with such brilliance. The promise of Messiah, peace be upon him, continues, present the prophecies of any other book in the world. Can they compete with the prophecies regarding the advent of the promise of Messiah? Then, regarding the excellence of the Holy Quran and the fact that every commandment has a purpose and is beneficial. That is, it has an objective. And this is why there is much emphasis in the Holy Quran to act with sense, to comprehend, to reflect, to deeply ponder and to act with piety. To deeply ponder means to act with logic, reason and piety. Piety is also necessary. And this is the distinction between the Holy Quran and other books. No other book had the courage to present its teachings to open and rigorous criticism in the matter of intellect and reason. 
Giving the example of the New Testament, the promised Messiah, peace be upon him, states, the cunning and shrewd supporters of the New Testament, after realizing that the New Testament is lifeless when scrutinized through the lens of reason, cleverly added to their beliefs that the Trinity and Atonement are such mysteries that human reason cannot possibly reach its essence. It is a very difficult field of knowledge. You cannot reach it, so just accept it as it is. But opposite to this is the teaching of the Holy Quran, which is In the creation of the heavens and the earth, and in the alternation of the night and the day, there are indeed signs for men of understanding, those who remember Allah. This is the religion Islam calls you to. There is a clear commandment in this verse that a wise person should act with wisdom and intellect, and one ought to ponder over this. Then, whilst expounding on the fact that the Holy Qur'an is a book that has remained safeguarded, and that the natural law bears testament to the teachings of the Holy Qur'an, the Promised Messiah, peace be upon him, states, Allah the Almighty states, إِنَّهُ لَقُرْآنٌ كَرِيمٌ فِي كِتَابٍ مَكْنُونٌ لَا يَمَسَّهُ إِلَّا الْمُطَهَّرُونَ This is indeed a noble Qur'an in a well-preserved book, meaning it has remained protected, which none shall touch except those who are purified. The Promised Messiah states, in fact, this entire scripture is preserved in the formidable encasing of nature. What does it mean that the Holy Quran is in a well-preserved book? It is not limited to mere pages. Rather, it is in a well-preserved book which is known as the scripture of nature. In other words, the teachings of the Holy Quran are attested to by every iota of the law of nature. Its teachings and blessings are not such that can be erased like mere tales and stories. One who understands and implements it will attain the blessings of Allah the Almighty. However, it should be remembered that its secrets and its depths are only made apparent to those who are pure and for this, it is necessary to benefit from the company of the pure. In this era, we must look to and ponder over the knowledge imparted by the promised Messiah, peace be upon him, which he received from Allah the Almighty in order to benefit from it. Then it is his commentaries and the literature of the Ahmadiyya community, which is based on those commentaries. Whilst explaining why the Holy Qur'an is also called the Exhortation, the Promised Messiah, peace be upon him, states, The Holy Qur'an has been called the Exhortation because it reminds a person of the inner law. He further states, the Holy Qur'an does not present a new teaching, rather it reminds of the internal law which is found in humans through their various qualities. There is forbearance, 
selflessness, bravery, might, anger, and contentment among others. In essence, the Qur'an reminds us of the nature that is hidden within, as it is mentioned, fi kitab maknun meaning that the scripture was a book hidden within nature and reminded everyone of that which they could not see. We should read the Holy Qur'an from this point of view as well. The Holy Qur'an guides the natural human qualities aright. The Holy Qur'an draws out and elaborates the true nature which people are moving further away from, especially today. It is because they are moving away from this that in today's day and age we see a tendency towards creating laws that are immoral and unnatural. People are trying to pervert human nature. Allah the Almighty states that by pondering and acting upon the Qur'an, it enables one to achieve the highest level of human nature. Hence, it is important to ponder over it and we should read and understand the Holy Qur'an from this lens. This way we can also remain safeguarded against the poison that is being fed into the minds of young and old under the pretense of freedom. Many parents ask how they should respond to the things that their children learn from school. If we closely read the Holy Qur'an, its commentary, literature of the community, which are according to the teachings of the Qur'an, then the parents will be able to respond to their children. Then the Promised Messiah, peace be upon him, states, This book has been called the Exhortation so that it may be read and remind us of the inner and spiritual capacities and that light of heart which the heavens have placed within humans. By sending the Qur'an, Allah the Almighty Himself showed a spiritual miracle. If you read continuously, it will continuously serve as a reminder for you so that one may understand the knowledge, verities and spiritual miracles about which they were unaware. Yet it is a pity that they have abandoned the ultimate purpose of the Qur'an, which is a guidance for the righteous, and instead have regarded it to be a mere collection of stories. Like the disbelievers of Arabia, they carelessly and selfishly regard it as the fables of the ancients, and put it aside. The Promised Messiah continues, that was the time of the advent of the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, and the revelation of the Qur'an, when it came to remind the world of the verities it had lost. Now that time has arrived. That was foretold by the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, in which people would read the Qur'an, but it would not go below their throats. This is exactly what we witness. There are countless reciters of the Qur'an, yet they do not act upon it. The Promised Messiah continues, You are able to witness for yourselves the beautiful and melodious manner 
in which the Qur'an is recited, yet it goes no lower than their throats. They do not act in accordance to it. This is why the Holy Qur'an, which is also called the Exhortation, came at that earlier time in order to remind people of the truths hidden and concealed within them and the qualities which they had been given. In accordance with Allah the Almighty's firm promise that inna lahu lahafidun, most surely we will be its guardian, a teacher was sent by the heavens in this era as well, who is the promised fulfillment of وَآخَرِينَ مِنْهُمْ لَمَّا بِهِمْ and among others from among them who have not yet joined them. He is none other than he who speaks before you. He was referring to himself. If only Muslims adopt a reason and accept that one who has been sent by God Almighty, they would analyze their inner states, observe the need of the time, and look to the general state of the Muslims. They should not defame Islam by laying emphasis on apparent edicts. They should understand the reality of the Holy Quran. As Ahmadis, we should constantly analyze ourselves as to the degree to which we understand the verities of the teachings in the Holy Qur'an and the steps we have taken in striving to implement them or the steps we are currently taking. Then, whilst explaining that the Holy Qur'an seeks to help one recognize true knowledge, the promised Messiah, peace be upon him, states, Just as Allah the Almighty wishes for people to fear him, he also desires for the light of knowledge to be established within them. There is no fear of people establishing the aptitude for knowledge. And for people to traverse the stations of understanding, why is one created? That they may establish understanding and their scope of thinking expands. Where having true knowledge establishes true fear of God, this knowledge also establishes the worship of God. When a believer thinks in this way, ponders upon the Holy Qur'an, and tests worldly knowledge against the Holy Qur'an, then they develop knowledge and also the fear of God Almighty. The promised Messiah, peace be upon him, continues, However, there are some unfortunate ones who become so absorbed in knowledge that they become distant from the divine decree and develop doubts in the very existence of Allah the Almighty. There are some who believe in divine decree and abandon knowledge altogether. They are either to one extreme, whereby in the name of worldly knowledge and new enlightenment, they forget about God Almighty, or in the name of coming towards Allah the Almighty, they become weary of obtaining knowledge and abandon it, deeming it to be wrong. The Promised Messiah continues, However, the Holy Qur'an has imparted both teachings, and in a complete manner. The reason that the Holy Qur'an wishes to impart true knowledge and draw man's attention towards it is because it develops the fear of God and as it gradually helps to increase the understanding of God Almighty, it also develops the majesty of God and love for Him. It also gives the teaching of adhering to the divine decree because it develops within a person the quality of placing complete trust in Allah the Almighty, and one becomes aware of the reality behind being content with the will of God, thereby attaining true contentment, which is the ultimate purpose of salvation. Furthermore, the Promised Messiah, peace be upon him, states, Allah the Almighty has granted this Ummah, the source and fountainhead of true knowledge within the Holy Qur'an. Whoever attains the verities and knowledge contained within the Holy Qur'an, attainable only through the true righteousness and fear of Allah, becomes like the prophets of the Israelites thereby. Indeed, it is absolutely true 
that one who does not use the weapon they have been provided is at fault and no blame lies on the weapon itself. This has become the state of the world right now, despite having a matchless blessing such as the Holy Qur'an, one that liberates from all misguidances and saves from all darknesses. The Muslims abandoned it and were utterly heedless towards its pure teachings. As a result, they have become far removed from Islam. As the Prophet Messiah, peace be upon him, has stated, Muslims have deviated from the grand teachings of the Holy Qur'an and have thus reduced themselves to Muslims by name only. People post short video clips on social media from time to time. These short interviews give insight into the fact that people are unaware of the basic teachings and history of Islam. As per their claim, Muslim clerics raise an uproar and seek to cause harm to the Ahmadiyya community in honour of the Holy Prophet, the Qur'an and the companions. Someone wrote to me from Bangladesh and informed me that when they were attacked by a crowd, a boy among them was perhaps throwing stones. One Ahmadi questioned his actions and inquired if he was acting upon what was written in the Qur'an or the teachings of Islam. Where had he found such teachings? He told him that Ahmadis adhere to the Kalima. Upon this, the boy immediately dropped the stone. These people act according to how the Muslim clerics incite them. May Allah the Almighty protect us from the evil of these wicked people and enable us to understand, learn and act upon the Holy Qur'an. Both during this Ramadan and after it has passed, May Allah the Almighty protect us from the depravity that exists in the world. You must give special attention to prayers during Ramadan, as I have stated earlier. May Allah the Almighty protect every Ahmadi in all places from harm. As for those who are incapable of reformation, may Allah the Almighty make an example out of them so that others are able to follow His commandments. You should also pray for the world as a whole that Allah the Almighty averts the catastrophe of war. At present, I would like to speak about a few deceased members, the first of which is a missionary of the community who fulfilled his devotion with exceptional faithfulness. He was an exceedingly humble man who had the opportunity to serve for a long time, living up to the true standard of rendering service. His name is Munawwar Ahmed Khurshid Sahib. And he served as a missionary in Western Africa. He passed away a few days ago. Inna lillahi wa inna ilayhi raji'un. Verily to Allah do we belong and to him shall we return. His family entered the fold of Ahmadiyyat when his grandfather, Hazrat Mia Abdul Karim Sahib, may Allah be pleased with him, pledged allegiance to the promised Messiah, peace be upon him, in 1903 when he came to Jhelum for the court case of Karamdeen. All the children born to the parents of Munawwar Ahmed Khurshid Sahib would fall ill and pass away. When he, I Munawwar Ahmed Khurshid Sahib, was born, he also fell ill. There was no hope in sight. 
And so his grandfather, Mia Abdul Karim Sahib, who was a companion of the Promised Messiah, decided to dedicate the child's life in God's way. His reasoning was that if God required the child, he would save him. Nonetheless, in the same instance, a doctor came to that village who lived in another far-off village. He administered treatment and through a miracle, Allah the Almighty cured him. His father-in-law, Muhammad Khan Darwish Sahib, also saw a dream about him that he was on a towering and brilliant minaret. Upon this, the Darwish told him that he would illuminate the minaret of Ahmadiyyat and render great services. Thus, Allah the Almighty enabled him to do so. After graduating from Jamia, he stayed in Pakistan for a short period. Then, in 1983, he went to Africa and served for an extended period of time in the Gambia, Senegal, and so on. He also had the opportunity of serving as Amir Jamaat, a president in the Gambia and Senegal. In 2005, due to an illness, he came here to the UK. While residing here, he continued to manage the Jamaat administration in Senegal until another missionary was posted there and able to continue the administration. From 2008 to 2012, he also had the opportunity to serve as a teacher in Jamia, UK. Wherever he was able to serve, he worked excellently. He had the honour of bringing many people into the fold of Ahmadiyyat. Forty members of parliament accepted Ahmadiyyat by his efforts. In light of this achievement, Hazrat Khalifatul Masih IV, may Allah's mercy be upon him, designated him with the title fatih senegal meaning the champion of Senegal, in his Jalsa Salana address. He brought about 15 members of the assembly to Jalsa Salana, Germany. Of the various Palma awards designated for missionaries, he was a recipient of the Abdul Rahim Nayyar Award. Upon my instruction, he also visited Spain on various occasions. There, he preached Islam to the African residents and did excellent work. He brought many people there into the fold of Ahmadiyyat. Under Ansarullah UK, he also held online educational classes on the Holy Quran. He continued this until his demise. He is survived by his three sons, three daughters and wife. One of his sons is a missionary here in the UK. Daud Hanif Sahib, who is serving as the principal of Jamia Canada, was the Amir Jamaat in the Gambia when he was sent there. He writes, I had the opportunity to serve alongside him from 1983 to 1994. Apart from his work as a missionary, he also taught Islamic studies in school. He further writes, The state in Senegal was such that it was very difficult to preach Islam. It was a difficult time. At the end of 1985, he was sent to the town of Farafini located at the border of Senegal. Whilst there, his objective was to bring the plan for establishing Ahmadiyya to fruition. It was a very difficult task. The government of Senegal would not grant a visa to Pakistanis 
However, Munawar Khurshid Sahib had a quality that allowed him to immerse himself in the people and form relationships in a brilliant manner. He also knew the French language to a degree. Thus, when he was posted there, he quickly built relationships with the officials at the border and began to travel to Senegal thereby. There he began to further study the French language under an elementary school headmaster. He had acquired permission from the local officials to learn French with the headmaster, Abdus Salam Bari. Nevertheless, he was successful and through this achievement visited Senegal from time to time. Later, he obtained a special pass which allowed him to travel into Senegal in a vehicle that was from the Gambia. He would place the literature of the Jamaat inside the vehicle and would preach there and through this he was able to acquire many beds. There were some Ahmadis already residing in Kaulak region and there was also a local Muallim, Hamid Mbai Sahib. He worked together with him and established new Jamaats there. In Africa, either the roads were very broken or in some places they did not even have any roads. However, he would reach distant places by a motorcycle and the paths for the motorcycle were such that the bushes and shrubs were so close that his legs would be full of blood. However, he did not show any concern about this and would remain engaged in his work. Daud Hanif Sahib further writes, Initially there were many challenges and so we carried out the tabligh work with great caution. But gradually when contacts were established, the Jamaat was introduced and we began to convey the message that the promised Messiah, peace be upon him, had come for the revival of Islam. And this message was also conveyed to the officials as well. Then it became very easy for him to travel to Senegal. He would regularly visit Senegal and many Jamaats were established in various areas of Kaulak region. I have already mentioned that there were some places where even motorcycles etc were not available and so he travelled long distances on donkey carts and visited various villages. In fact, some of the missionaries who are currently serving there now say that when they went to these villages, the people mentioned that a long time ago, Mulana Munawar Ahmed Khushi Sahib used to visit us and did so in very difficult circumstances. And so he would travel to these areas and preach there. He would spend many nights there with the people and he would eat the local food, such as boiled corn or millet. This would be the food he would eat and then he would continue on with his travels. He was never concerned about the arrangements for the accommodation. 
In fact, wherever he found any place to stay, he would sleep there and eat whatever was available. In this way, he became extremely popular amongst the people and carried out Tabligh in an excellent manner. When Hazrat Khalifatul Masih IV, may Allah's mercy be upon him, saw a dream that the Jamaat was progressing in the French-speaking countries, Munawwar Ahmad Khushid Sahib left from the region he was in and focused his efforts on Senegal. He was then sent there and he preached to its influential people and also the members of parliament and as a result, 14 members of parliament had the opportunity to do the bayt. This had a very good impact for the Jamaat and the Jamaat began to be firmly established there. In order to strengthen the number of Muallimin, there was also a need for the education and training of its members, which was done on a yearly basis, and Mulana Sahib carried this work out with great effort and courage. In 1997, he was appointed as the national president of the Jamaat in Senegal and he served with great effort right till the end. He has further written that the spirit of obedience to the Khalifa of the time was deeply rooted within him. I have observed this as well, that when he came here in the UK, he had been very ill for the last 10 years, but despite his ill health, Whenever he was assigned any work, he would immediately try to fulfill it. He had a great passion for Tabligh. Wajihullah Sahib, who is serving as a missionary in Senegal, says, When I came here, I heard a lot about Munawwar Sahib. And wherever I would go, the people there would mention him in a very loving manner. A local Muallim, Muhammadu Tafsir Mara Sahib, writes, I accepted Ahmadiyyat through Munawwar Ahmad Khurshid Sahib and he taught me very well and did my training with great effort and love. As a result, I had the opportunity to study in Jami Ahmadiyya Ghana and serve the Jamaat. He himself is from Senegal and further states, I had the opportunity to spend a lot of time with him. He had great love for Khilafat and he would particularly advise me to remain attached with Khilafat. Another quality I observed was that he never missed the Tahajjud prayer, and he would always advise us to always offer the Tahajjud prayer and to particularly pray for Khalifatul Masih in the Tahajjud prayers. The Muallim Sahib further writes, He was a very righteous person and strived very hard he travelled across the entire country of Senegal. He would always strive to visit every village and convey the message of the Messiah of Muhammad. I am a witness to the fact that when Munawwar Sahib was engaged in Jamaat work, he did not have any concern whether it was day or night or whether or not he had anything to eat or drink. He had a very close relationship with God Almighty and many times he would witness incidents which reflected this. He further says, on one occasion there was a Jamaat function and people had travelled to attend it. One of the Ahmis became ill and wanted to go back. He was given permission to return but when he was about to board the bus, Munawar Sahib stopped him. 
and told him to not sit on that particular bus, but another one. At the time, I thought to myself that this bus which he was stopped from boarding was going to have an accident, and if he had sat in it, people would have said that he had gone to a Jamaat function and died in an accident. This is exactly what happened. The bus which he was stopped from boarding was involved in an accident. Since he sat on the other bus, therefore he safely returned to his home. As a result of this incident as well, people's faith increased. People had so much love for him. And this can be gauged from the fact that the funeral prayer in absentia was offered in various areas of Senegal and many non-Ahmadis also attended the prayers. Then the Sadr of the Fatak Jamaat, Vogan Fai Sahib says, It is extremely difficult for anyone to work in the same passionate manner in which Munawwar Ahmed Khushi Sahib used to. Diallo Sahib, who is another local Muslim, says, When Munawwar Sahib first came to Senegal, I had the opportunity to work with him for a very long time. He was a very righteous and brave individual. Whilst on Jamaat tours, he would carry out the tabligh work with great wisdom and courage. He was also a very fair person and would treat the members of the Jamaat with great love and equality. Raja Burhan Sahib says, Towards the latter part of his life, he was very ill and was having to undergo dialysis daily. He met me once at a wedding and said, I have opened a shop. I asked him what he meant by opening a shop and he said, I am at home and so I have placed a table outside and in the summer I keep some water and the Jamaat literature. Those who walk by, if they require some water, I provide them with water and also give them the literature along with it. He did not sit idle during his illness, but even then found a new way of preaching. Those who ask that how should one do tabligh, if one tries to search different avenues of tabligh, then they are able to find them. All that is required is passion. Another quality of Munawwar Ahmed Khoji Sahib was that he was quickly able to learn new languages. Different languages are spoken in the Gambia, and he was able to speak those various languages. In relation to this, he would mention that the Gambian missionaries who studied here at Jamia Hamdiya UK, Abdullah Sahib, Abdul Rahman Sahib and Muhammad Mbai Sahib, belong to three different tribes and are not able to understand each other's local languages. However, I am able to speak all three languages of their tribes. His wife Nusrat Jahan Sahiba says, He was very particular about the moral training of children. He was a very loving person and had unbound love for Khilafat. He did justice to his work for his life devotion. He would try his best to resolve all disputes and altercations. He was very hospitable. In Africa, when he would leave for the Tabligh trip, he would say, Do not worry about when I will return. I will return home once I have completed my work. She says that he had a passion to propagate the message of Islam Ahmadiyyat. He had the opportunity to propagate the message in Spain. And despite being unwell, he went many times. In this way, he re-established lost contacts with the Jamaat. His son, Muhammad Ahmed Khurshid Saab, who is also a missionary, says, He would always advise me that I ought to help people because this is an excellent form of worship and it pleases Allah. He says, In him, we always saw a practical model of the Islamic teachings. Salman Salmi Sahib from Spain writes, During his visits to Spain, 
I had the chance to accompany him on many tabligh endeavours. The astonishing thing I saw was that he would be able to strike a conversation with any passerby and get to know them. In a short space of time, he would be able to form a good connection with him. He would then say that the individual was from such and such village and the villages around that area are such and such and that those people are very sincere. He knew influential people of different areas and as he would be conversing in various African languages, owing to that, they would listen to him. They would be astonished and also be happy. After two or three meetings, he would form a bond with them and then give them the message of the Jamaat. He says, It was not the case that he would preach to them in the first meeting. He would first establish a personal connection and then on the second or third visit, he would preach to them about Ahmadiyyad. He says that through his personal connections and his morals, the groundwork would be completed and then later people would readily pledge allegiance. Nonetheless, he rendered a great service in Spain and established a Jamaat there also. He had true passion to propagate the teachings of Ahmadiyyad, the true Islam. It is absolutely true that alongside this, he was very humble. When I asked him to go to Spain, he went without presenting any excuse, even though he was unwell at the time. May Allah the Almighty continue to grant the Jamaat such loyal and devoted missionaries who render services selflessly and fulfill their tasks. May Allah elevate his rank in paradise. The second funeral is of Iqbal Ahmed Munir Sahib, who was a missionary from Pakistan and son of Chaudhary Munir Ahmed Sahib. He passed away recently. Ahmadiyyad was introduced into his family through his paternal grandfather, Chaudhary Ghulam Hedr Sahib, in 1895. The deceased completed his studies from Jamia Ahmadiyya in 1983, after which he served under Islaho Ishad Markaziya. Then from 2001 to 2008 he served in Sierra Leone and then returned to Pakistan. He subsequently served in various districts in Pakistan. He was a heart patient, but despite this he worked diligently. By the grace of Allah he was a Musi. He rendered his services with great diligence and effort. He had good relations with people and was a sincere individual. The deceased is survived by his wife and three sons. Abul Wakil Sahib, who is a missionary, writes, He was a very popular person and had a deep bond with Khilafat. He was a loving person with an awe-inspiring personality. He was very kind-hearted. After a brief meeting with him, one would know that he was a very humble person. Sayyid Munir Ahmad Sahib, who is Naib Amir of Karachi and has worked with him, says, He was a very hard worker and a sincere individual. Whatever work was assigned to him, he would give it priority and complete it immediately. He would come to the office and advise us based on his experience. Further says, This gave me a lot of support. He had a pure heart. He had a personal relationship with everyone in his area, as a result of which he would be able to get things done very easily. Owing to this, he was instructed to remind others about paying chanda, and this had a great impact on others. May Allah the Almighty bestow his forgiveness and mercy upon the deceased and elevate his station in paradise. 
The third mention is of Sayyidah Nusrat Jahan Begum Sahiba, wife of the late Mia Abdul Azim Sahib Dervesh of Qadian, who passed away recently. She was bedridden for quite some time. In the early days, when they were living in straitened circumstances, she was the first woman to come from the Odisha state. The deceased spent time in difficult conditions with her husband. With great patience and gratitude, she was regular in prayers and fasting. She was devoted and very sincere. She would regularly recite the Holy Qur'an and also teach it to others. She taught the Holy Qur'an to many children and women. In the days of straitened circumstances, their income would be low, and so she decided to keep chickens to get by, instead of looking towards others for help. She was always ready to serve Allah's creation. She would help the women of Qadian in making arrangements for the shroud and burial of the deceased and would help in bathing them. She had a special bond with the Khalifa of the time. She would partake in every financial initiative. The deceased was a Musya and is survived by four sons and one daughter. She was the stepmother of Khushid Anwar Sahib. She was the paternal aunt of Dost Muhammad Shahid Sahib, former historian of the Jamaat. May Allah the Almighty bestow His forgiveness and mercy upon her and elevate her status. After the Friday prayers, I will lead their funeral prayers in absentia. Alhamdulillah, Alhamdulillah, Nahmudu, and Ustain, and Ustafiru, and Nomino Behi, and Atawakalo, and Auzubillah, him in Shurian, Fusena, Women say, Yeah, وَمَنْ يُضْلِلْهُ فَلَا هَادِيَ لَهُ وَنَشَدُ اللَّهُ إِلَهَ إِلَّا اللَّهُ وَنَشَدُ أَنَّ مُحَمَّدًا عَبْدُهُ وَرَسُولُهُ إِبَادُ اللَّهِ رَحِمَكُمُ اللَّهُ إِنَّ اللَّهَ يَأْمُرُ بِالْعَدْلِ وَالْإِسَانِ وَإِتَاءِ ذِي الْقُرْبَانِ وَيَنْهَا عَنِ الْفَحْشَاءِ وَالْمُنْكَرِ وَالْبَغْرِ يَعِزُكُمْ وَأَلَّكُمْ تَذَكَّرُونَ أُذْكُرُوا اللَّهَ يَذْكُرْكُمْ وَدُوهُ يَسْتَجِبْ لَكُمْ وَلَذِكْرُ اللَّهِ أَكْبَرُ